Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Feeling wistful, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. And I say that because as we speak, I am looking at gorgeous pictures of Augusta National, um, which it might be the most beautiful place on planet Earth. And we're getting set for the Masters. And again, I can see um, the feed. And so as soon as Tiger Woods comes up to address the media, you will hear from him live immediately. And we will see if he announces that he is planning to play the Masters this year on Thursday. It certainly feels like everything is trending toward him doing that. I can tell you that three years ago, so you know, this week in 2019, I had the extraordinary opportunity to go down there and help cover the Masters for us at ESPN. I played a tiny little role in the coverage, and I loved every second of it. And I would love to have continued doing it, but unfortunately, between the NFL draft and the NBA playoffs coming up, something had to give. So I'm not there now. I'm just watching like all the rest of you. Uh, and I cannot begin to tell you how much I wish I was going to be there. What are you pointing to? No, I'm going to ask you a question because oh. in the break, when you were looking, we were looking at these live pictures together and you, as you were just fawning over the course, it made me wonder, like you've played at and covered some of the, at some of the you know, most famous and beautiful golf courses in the world. What makes that place different? What makes that place so special for you? Well, first of all, the, um, Augusta National is the only golf course on planet Earth that hosts a major championship every year. So whereas if you are a fan of the sport, if you're a spectator of the sport, let's like 0.01% of the people on planet Earth have played all these places. So take that out of the equation. Uh, Augusta National, St. Andrews, and all the others that, you know, the, 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 the really famous Pebble Beach, the famous golf courses. The overwhelming majority of us are just watching them on television. So what you then go back to is, A, the, 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 just the, the gorgeousness of the geography. And of all the courses that are not on water, it's unquestionably the most beautiful. Now, the, the, the scenic shots that you get at a place like Pebble Beach or any of the courses in Europe, generally all the golf courses where the game was originally created are, are built on the sea. So you get all these beautiful you know, pictures of the water. So some people think that like Pebble Beach is the most aesthetic golf course, the most um, television friendly or whatever the word I'm looking for is because of that. Outside of that, Augusta is clearly the most beautiful to look at. It's just, I mean, it's manicured. I'm looking, we're both looking at shots of it right now. It's ridiculous. It's the most beautiful place you've ever seen. But secondly, and more importantly than just how beautiful it is, whereas if you have been watching golf, let's say you're my age and you've been watching golf for 50 years. You've seen the U.S. Open played at Pebble Beach eight times. You've seen the Masters played at Augusta 50 times. They do it every year. So the number, uh, the amount of history that is baked into every single shot, and if you are fortunate enough to ever be there, all you think about as you're walking up every single fairway and on every green is, oh, I remember when so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And this is where Phil hit it from. And this is where Tiger hit it from. This is where Bubba Watson hit that shot from. This is where Jordan Spieth put it in the water. All these moments that you've seen and then going all the way back to Jack Nicholas and everything else. Um, and if you're older than I am, then maybe you even remember legendary things from what Ben Hogan did there and Arnold Palmer did there and others. So I think that's a huge part of it. If you are a fan of the game of golf, it is the only place where you have seen a major championship contested literally every year. So I'm looking at a list of golf courses that have hosted the most majors. Augusta has ha- hosted one 85 times. Mm-hmm. The course with the next most is 29, and then there's another with 24. 
And those are the only two courses with even more than 20. So there you go. Can you guess those courses? Well, I, I'm going to guess St. Andrews is, is going to be one of them. St. Andrews is, 20, is 29. That is second on the list. So there's one of them that's 24. So it could be it, it could be one of two things. It could be a golf course that hosts... Like there were some that I believe have hosted U.S. Opens and PGA Championships, and that that could be, or it could be another one of the old Scottish courses. Uh, so something like Muirfield, for example, would come to mind, or Carnoustie, places that I think they've been playing these things forever. Is it one of those? Muirfield has 16. That okay. ranks fourth on the list. This course, Prestwick, is the answer. They've not oh, host, it's not yes. hosted an event since it hosted the first British Open. 25. It's a super tricked up, like crazy, quirky, very fun golf course to play in Scotland. If you, if you, any of you who are fortunate enough to be making an international trip to play golf in Scotland, which I can tell you is maybe the best experience I've ever had, um, Prestwick is a don't miss. Mm. That's a fabulous place. All of those would be a long time ago, though, right? Like, yes. does it say when the most recent one was? 1925. Okay, yeah, it's a very long time ago. There's only been one course that has hosted more than 10 combined PGAs and U.S. Opens. What's your guess for that? Is it Pebble Beach? It is not. Pebble Beach has hosted seven. That's tied for fourth. Is it, it places that have hosted both? I'm just going through in my head. It could. Is it? Is it? What is the golf course? I'm blanking on the name in New Jersey here. Um, it, it has the you, upper and the you lower. You played with Bruce Bowen? Is, that, is it that place? <laughs> no, I've never oh. played anywhere famous with Bruce Bowen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it in New Jersey? No. Is it in Pennsylvania? Yes. Uh, is it, is it uh, Oakmont? Yes. Oakmont okay. has hosted 12. After that, it's Oakland Hills. And then Baltus Roll. Yeah. Uh, Baltus Roll is the course I was thinking That's of in New Jersey. That's what I thought. Jersey. Okay. Yeah, I never played there with Bruce Bowen, though. Oh. <laughs> I've never played, I've ne- A, I've never played anywhere famous with Bruce Bowen, and B, I've never played Baltus Roll at all. That's just a bad leading I would like then. to. If anyone who's listening to this show is a member at Baltus Roll and would like to invite me to come out, I'm an excellent guest, and I never show up <laughs> empty-handed. Um, anyway, one way or another, if you're wondering why we are uh, talking this long about this, it is because we are waiting for Tiger Woods to come um, at, to the microphone where we we are anticipating that, well, we know for sure he's going to meet the media. It is his allotted time. He's now about seven minutes late. Um, and the expectation is that he will say something definitive about his plans for this week. And I'll just say again, this would be, if he were to, just the, the, the simple act of, of competing in the event would, would make this a remarkable comeback for a man who almost lost a limb and candidly is lucky not to have lost his life in a car accident 14 months ago. And further, if he actually does play and compete and maybe somehow miraculously wins, <coughs> excuse me Bless as I you. sneeze, um, then, then I think you could make an argument it's the greatest comeback that we've ever seen in sports of any kind. Now, Ben Hogan came back from, shall we say, equally serious injuries in a car. I mean, he crushed his sternum, right? He had an unbelievably serious car accident-related uh, injuries and came back and won the majority of his major championships after that, right? Didn't six, he? Yeah, six of nine. Six of his nine came after that. Um, so that, that obviously is one of the most famous stories. And then the other name that came to mind is Alex Smith um, because he almost died and then almost had to have his leg amputated and came back to play football. Like, it's one thing to be able to come back and play golf, and I'm not in any way diminishing how difficult it is to walk the golf course and all that. No one diminishes golf less than I do. But, of course, it does not compare to putting your leg in harm's way. I will say this. Watching Alex Smith play after he came back from that made me actively uncomfortable. Mm. Like, I was actively nervous 
seeing any of what they call trash around his feet when mm-hmm. people were around his legs. And, and I can't be the only one who kind of watched that the way you watch a horror movie, like almost with one eye shut, hoping nothing terrible happened. Yeah. The, with, in the case of Alex Smith, for him just to get back on the field was an extraordinary thing, obviously. But I'd be willing to bet you that if you ask Tiger in an honest moment, it is his objective to win, to win more. Oh, and, for sure. And that's why I think he's going to play this week like you do, because I think he thinks he can win. Uh, only if he thinks he can win. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he doesn't think his game is where it needs to be, then I'm not sure that he will. Uh, let me tell you, the job search can be a long, frustrating journey, and that's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They send you jobs you can apply to with one click, and they pitch your profile to employers. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. So here's what I'm going to do, uh, considering his Uh, Now, so long after the expectation was that he would begin talking, I'm going to take a short break so we can do that. And then we'll come back and hopefully we will have Tiger Woods for you live in just a matter of moments. Uh, He will be at Augusta. My name is Greeny and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. While we were in that break, sure enough, Tiger Woods did arrive at the microphone in Augusta, Georgia, Um, And he did address his status for this weekend, and he made a statement even more definitive than I was expecting. So shall we hear it? Nuno, you have it ready? Let's play it. Here's a little bit of what Tiger Woods said just moments ago. Tiger, when when will you decide whether you can play and and what determines that? Where's Doug? Sorry. Sorry, Doug. Where are you at? Somewhere around here. Far right. Nope, I got you. When when will you decide uh, whether for sure you're, you're playing and what will determine that? Well, as of right now, I feel like I am going to play as of right now. Um, I'm going to play nine more holes tomorrow. Um, uh, my recovery has been good. I've been very excited about how I've recovered each and every day, and that, that's been the, the, the challenge. That's why I came up here and, and tested out for 27 holes because we, we played the part three course. Charlie couldn't help himself. Um, so... Was able to play uh, 27 holes that day um, and at home testing it. But it's the recovery. You know, how, how am I going to get all the you know, swelling out and recover for the next day? And uh, my team has been fantastic and worked very hard. Um, so we've got another day of nine more holes and uh, then come game time. Jim. Hey, Tiger. Good to see you. How much physical pain do you have to endure playing golf? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is, um, there is, you know, each, every day, you know, obviously given what I've gone through with my back and then obviously with, with my right leg. Um, yeah, there is each and every day. How much does that take away from your ability to play or have you just mentally overcome it or have to overcome it every time you play? Uh, 
It's been one of those things where I've I've had to endure pain before, and um, this is different. Obviously, this is a lot more traumatic. What has transpired to my leg. We've had to put a lot of work, but as I said, I'm very thankful to my surgeons and my, my PTs and physios that have have worked on me and have given me this opportunity to uh, to play golf. So that was Tiger again. That was just in the last I don't know five six minutes, and that very beginning part is really the key part. He said, "As of right now, I'm planning to play," and that could change based upon how his body feels over the course of the next 48 hours, but. I think as as of this moment, the expectation is that Eldrick Tiger Woods will be at some point on Thursday on the first tee at Augusta, and they will say, ladies and gentlemen, Tiger Woods now driving. And that will be a great moment. <laughs> that will be a great day. And it will, it will bring um, an unimaginable additional layer of interest, of course, to this event. One, one that doesn't have Phil Mickelson in it for a variety of Terrible reasons of his own making. And now here you have uh, the game's biggest star by far looking to make what would be a comeback for the ages. 25 years ago, Jim Nance called his win a win for the ages. <laughs> I don't know what. You, let's put it this way. No one is better than Nance. No, no one does any event better than Jim Nance does the Masters. If Tiger Woods is in contention on Sunday, I am fascinated to hear what Jim Nance has cooked up for a final exclamation point on what would be the most improbable win I could ever imagine. No question. Jim's the, obviously the man for the job. But if Tiger's going to play, let's talk a little bit about how well you expect him to play. We were tipped off a little bit last week when I went on to, the, to our sports book and found that Tiger Woods had live odds to win the Masters. It was 50-1 to 1 then, right? And it remains 50-1. to 1. But I got a couple more options for you to see if you like either. So right now at Caesars, Tiger is plus 110 about even, to make the cut. Again, that's plus 110 to make the cut. He's 5-1 to one to finish in the top 10. And I'm curious if you think either or both of those are good bets. I've told you I think he makes the cut. I think if he plays, he makes the cut. First of all, at that place, knowledge of the golf course is the most important factor. Knowledge and nerve. Everyone who's there, basically anyone who you might think could be in contention has the game. So the question is, who's got the knowledge and who's got the nerve? He's got both of those. In fact, if you watched his win in 2019, he won in part because all of the other contenders just fell by the wayside around him. Francisco Molinari, Brooks Kapka, they all made huge, uncharacteristic mistakes. That's been known for a long time in the golf world as the Tiger effect. He makes you do things you shouldn't do. So he's got the nerve and he's got the course knowledge. The question is, does he have the game right now? And I, I mean, I obviously have no way of knowing that beyond the fact that I don't think he'd be doing this if he doesn't think he does. Now, there's someone named, a guy named Dan Rappaport, who is a writer for Golf Digest, and I just clicked away from it, of course, foolishly, but I will get it back for you here, who I was looking on Instagram for coverage of this, and this guy, uh, Dan Rappaport, said that he walked the golf course with Tiger. Um, now, I'm going to have to find it later, but basically g- g- gave a quick scouting report. Here it is, uh, of what he saw from watching Tiger. He said his ball speed is in the low 170s, can get it to 176 when he cranks it. Short game looks exceptional. Drawing chips, cutting chips, etc. Miss is a pull when body gets slow. 
My read, according to Dan, barring a last-minute change, he's playing full story coming. So this was his write-up of what he saw from Tiger yesterday. So for those who really follow the sport closely, there's a little inside information from a guy who covers the sport and was walking the course with him. To answer then back to your question, I believe he makes the cut. So I think that's a reasonable bet. Did you say 5-1 to one for a top 10? He's 5-1 to one to finish in the top 10. I mean, a top 10 is a lot, you know? I mean, to finish in the top 10 means you played great. Do I think he's ready to play four great rounds of golf? While you say you never put it past him, I think you would have to offer me more than five to one to be willing to make that bet for any amount of money that mattered to me. I mean, I, I, you know, put 10 bucks, whatever that might be, just for the fun of saying you did it. But if you're asking me, the only interesting question is to bet an amount of money that really matters, I would not bet that he makes the top 10. He's He's played the course 23 times. He's finished top 10 there. He's played the tournament 23 times. Excuse me, yes, the tournament 23 times. He's finished top 10 14 of those 23 times and has only missed the cut once Mm -hmm. in 1996. Yeah, and and that was before he started winning. I mean, in 1996, he was, what was he, like 19 years old, 20 years old. Um, He didn't win it for the first time until 97. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't missed the cut since he started winning tournaments there. I think he's a very good bet to make the cut. But again, I mean, we're going places that have never been gone before. There's a guy who almost had to have his leg amputated, and, and now all of a sudden he's going to go out there and try and win the Masters. I mean, so, so all reasonable measures or all, all reasonable methods of prediction are out the window, right? Like, you can't sit here and say, well, I remember back in, you know, when this happened. No, no, this has never happened. Ben Hogan, I guess, is the closest thing to it happening, and he came back and within a year won the U.S. Open. So... History says it's not impossible. Tiger is a player of that level. In fact, in my opinion, if there were a Mount Rushmore of golf, both those faces would be on it. Mm. I would put Ben Hogan on it. I would put Tiger on it. So you're talking about the rarest of rarefied air. I think he's got a chance. Uh, Agrini here reminding you about the ESPN Daily Podcast. It's a deep dive into a single story from one of our great reporters. It's presented by Supercuts, and it's available wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're going to change up the topic next. McShay is going to jump in here. He's got a mock draft out. He's got some very interesting predictions about this draft, including the possibility of trades. Folks, get ready. We're three weeks away from this thing, and there's some very important stuff in McShay's mock that you need to hear, and you will next. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Before we get to McShay and the mock, I want to see what Hembo's take is on this. So Joel Embiid, in my opinion, is not going to win the MVP award this year, even though he certainly is deserving. And uh, as you know, Hembo, I've been agonizing over this choice. I, I get to vote here, and I think I could... I could easily vote for any of three people, Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. But Embiid, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to prejudice the jury. I'm just going to play you what Embiid said about his candidacy and the fact that it feels like it's getting away from him. If it happens, great. Uh, if it doesn't, I, I don't know what I had to do at this point. Uh, you know, at this point, I feel like, you know, I'm, uh, they hate me. So the standard for, you know, guys in Philly or for me is different than the standard than everybody else. So he's basically saying that if he doesn't win the award, it's because the media hates him and they hold athletes in Philly to a different standard. You buying that? I'm not. And I don't love anybody more than I love Joel Embiid, but he's wrong. Like, no one's holding you to a different standard. The issue here is that Jokic is just better than you right now. Like Jokic is having like an all-time great season, and Joel Embiid was having a great season and has been surpassed. I think the sort of victimology is actually very unattractive because there's nothing obvious. There's no obvious reason to believe that Philadelphia athletes are held to some sort of higher standard. In fact, I think the fact that he plays in a prominent market for a team that we all care about is to his advantage. I think the fact that Jokic is probably going to win the award shows that he has to overcome. Even more. To me, it's pretty clear here. Jokic is the clear winner of the MVP award. We can argue about whether or not Embiid or Giannis should be too, but it has nothing to do with the fact that he's being suppressed by you know, the media market in Philadelphia or any other such nonsense. Is it in fact almost on, and I'm not, I don't want to accuse him of this because I'm sure he just didn't think of this, but is he kind of dissing the other candidates by saying, well, clearly I should win this, but the media hates me. Is that kind of selling short Jokic and Giannis? Yes. Uh, even if he feels that way, he shouldn't say the quiet part out loud. Because from where I sit, the reason Joel Embiid is not going to be the MVP is because A, Jokic outplayed him the second half of the season, and B, James Harden was added to the Sixers. The, Embiid's biggest, like the biggest data point in his favor was that he kept the team afloat without Ben Simmons. Well, the team hasn't really improved with James Harden. And to me, that is actually a point, <laughs> I guess you could say, in favor of Jokic, who's been able to steady that ship there with, mu- with much less around him. Yeah, so we'll see. That's an interesting take from him. I've got a few days left to cast my vote. We continue in 15 seconds. All right, to me, it's a holiday because McShay has a new McBoard. He's got a two-round mock draft ready to go on ESPN.com, and he's going to jump in with me here, and we'll talk about some of the very interesting notes in it in a matter of moments, actually 30 seconds after this word from ZipRecruiter. The job search can be a frustrating journey filled with long, lonely hours on the computer and countless attempts 
to get noticed by employers. ZipRecruiter gets it. No one wants to feel alone in their job search. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They save you time by sending you jobs you can apply to with one click, and they pitch your profile to employers so you stand out. Job seekers feel the love. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com. And here he is, the man of the hour, the aforementioned Todd McShay, with his latest McBoard, Mock Draft 4.0, is up and available, and it's got two rounds, and it's got trades projected. Good morning again, McShay. Good morning, Greeny. How you doing, bud? Well, I'm great. And, and so, obviously, I am following along with bated breath what you and Mel do basically every single day but with, as I prepare to host this thing again, and I listen to your first draft podcast and everything else. So when I see what you did here, I'm fascinated by it. Let me read the new top five for the audience that hasn't seen it yet because four of the five picks fascinate me. Aiden Hutchinson is number one, the defensive end out of Michigan, going to Jacksonville, and that one feels like you can write it in stone. I I don't think that one figures to change. You have Trayvon Walker, the defensive end, the pass rusher out of Georgia, going second to Detroit. That's a player who does not have the level of production on his resume that a lot of the others do. He has ridiculous freakish gifts, and he is number two. Kayvon Thibodeau, who at one point was considered the number one player in this process, and then subsequently I've heard all these rumors that he may be dropping a lot. You have him going three to Houston. Garrett Wilson, the speedy receiver out of Georgia, you have going four to the Jets. I had seen Drake London in that spot and some others. And then five... You have Ike Aquanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State, who I've heard some people say they think is actually the best player in the entire draft, falling to five there to the Giants. So that's the top five. McShay, just kind of walk everybody through those picks. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Hutchinson. I know Detroit would, would love to have Hutchinson fall to number two. I, I just don't see it happening. You know, and, unless they, they, the Jaguars fell in love with Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau and thought the physical tools were were greater than that of Hutchinson, but it's not going to be an offensive tackle. They just drafted a quarterback. It seems like a lock that Hutchinson is going to be the number one uh, pick. For a while, I thought Detroit at number two could be going the, the safety route with Kyle Hamilton. But, you know, you look at Hamilton, and he's such a great player. I don't care about the four, five, nine, forty 40-yard dash. He, he plays faster than that. But Detroit needs foundation pieces. They don't need, you know, one, one player to take them over the, over the top. So I, I personally think it's either going to be Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau with that pick. I think they like Thibodeau, too. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But I do believe the Lions, it, assuming they don't get a deal to move out of number two, and I don't think there's going to be a team that wants to trade away picks to move into the top five this year. And if they're stuck at number two, I think it's going to be a defensive end. I went with Walker over um, over Thibodeau, but it easily could be Thibodeau at number two. So with Walker going to Detroit, then the Texans have a tough call because you still have the top two offensive tackles on the board in this scenario. They could go with Iki Iquani from NC State or Evan Neal from Alabama, but I went with Thibodeau there. Again, they have so many needs to fill. Um, you know, you could, you could justify offensive tackle. They allowed 44 sacks last season, ninth most in the, in the NFL, but but I think they need a difference maker on that side of the ball. And, and you look at what they're trying to do defensively with Lovey Smith's system, front four pass rush, Thibodeau would be a perfect fit. Then the Jets at number four are in a, a great spot because they could get an offensive tackle, even though they've made some additions to their offensive line. But I, I think after going all in on Tyreek Hill and not being able to get him, 
I think they need to get a, a young receiver to add to that crew with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, and then Mar- Michael Carter as well at the running back position. This could be a, a pretty good off- young offensive skill group uh, for Zach Wilson. So uh, that's why I went with Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. And then finally, the Giants would be thrilled. They'd have their pick between Evan Neal and Nicky Aquanu. I, I lean slightly uh, in favor of Aquano. I just think he's more explosive and has more potential. But either way, they get an offensive tackle to round out that, that offensive line. They can plug him in right tackle opposite Andrew Thomas. Greeny and McShay, again, the mock draft is up on ESPN.com right now. The next spot there, you have the Panthers taking the quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And you have Pickett and Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, three quarterbacks going off the board in round one. Um, I, I want to circle back to something quickly. I was listening to your podcast, the First Draft Podcast, a, a few weeks ago, and you and Mel were speculating about the possibility of Malik Willis going much, much higher than this. You have him going right now 20 to the Steelers. 20, in, yep. in, that, in that conversation, you were kicking back and forth the possibility that he went number two overall. So with Kenny Pickett right now projected in that top 10 – I'm surprised that you have Willis as low as you have him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. My expectations will be higher. Here's the, here's the tricky part. Detroit's not going to take a quarterback at two. Okay. So we can, we can rule that out. I I feel very strongly about that. And then Houston in the jets and giants, obviously uh, aren't going to go that route at this point. So Carolina is the first team that needs a quarterback. And Matt rule, as you saw all the pro days, he's there. They don't have a pick until, the fourth round after this selection. So why are you investing all this time going to five different pro days in a seven day span? And, and really only like I watched Matt rule. I was at the pro days. He he wasn't watching linebackers go through box drills or, you know, three cone drills or anything else. He was just waiting and talking to the quarterbacks and waiting for them to work out. So I think it's going to be interesting too, as an organization, the right move is to not take, not reach for one of these quarterbacks this year get the best player available, and then address the quarterback need next year in, in the draft. That would be my, my opinion. But Matt Rule obviously knows he's got to win now and wants to bring in a young quarterback that shows promise in the rookie year to maintain his, maintain his job. So that's Carolina. He also recruited Kenny Pickett, by the way, when he was at Temple, and they have a relationship. So I went with, with Pickett there, but it could be Malik Willis. I just think if you're trying to win now, Pickett is more NFL-ready. Then Willis – I don't think Atlanta's taking a quarterback at number eight. I think that they know that they, their ro- roster is absolute trash right now. They've got to get receivers. They've got four or five other positions they need to upgrade. Maybe they take one later. I had them taking one in the second round. But I think it's building towards 2023. Seattle at nine is where I thought about Malik Willis. I just haven't gotten the sense that that's the route they're going to go. I've heard more rumors about you know maybe it's baker mayfield or what they're going to do in the future but you get past nine greeny and there isn't a team that needs a quarterback till 20 really right so that's that's why i had willis falling there i mean it is interesting we'll see if he does and 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 we'll see if someone can't help themselves from trading up into a spot and making a move one more thing while i have you here quickly uh let me just jets out for us for a second here at number 10 you have them taking sauce gardner the corner out of cincinnati and i love it and my big fear is that he will not be there at 10 anymore i i actually had ex well expected is the wrong word but I, I am wondering with you now if the Jets need to take him at four to make sure they get him because I, I the, the shutdown corner he is just a terrific player he I think is yeah, my favorite is. player in the draft well I, I thought about giving him to, to the Jets at four yeah 
But I, I kind of looked at it and said, all right, what's more likely to happen? The two receivers are going to be gone or uh, Ahmad's going to be gone? And, and there's a chance that both happen. There really is a, a good likelihood that that happens. So I went with Garrett Wilson because I think that's a bigger need. Uh, the Jets clearly need a number one corner. They did sign uh, DJ Reed in free agency. They've got Bryce, uh, Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall, uh, capable guys. I, they definitely could use the upgrade there. But also, like, you know, if, if an offensive tackle fell to them, they could go that route. They could go a few different directions with that pick. But, I mean, if, you, if I were to tell you right now you get Garrett Wilson, the best receiver in the draft, draft and Sauce Gardner, the best cornerback in the draft, you'd have to be pretty happy as a Jets fan. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if they get Gardner and any of the receivers, you like Wilson, I've heard Drake, London, whatever the case may be, yep. then personally I would be happy. Again, McShay's Mock Draft 4.0, it's available right now on ESPN.com, and we are working our way towards what should be a lot of fun in Vegas. Thank you, McShay. All right, buddy. Have a good day. I'll see you later. That's Todd McShay. Hey, you know, the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Just quickly to give you the rest of the top 10, um, because we got through Kenny Pickett at six. He has Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, going seven to the Giants. Drake London, the tall receiver from USC. That's probably the best way I can think of to identify him. Going to the Falcons at eight. Evan Neal, the offensive tackle, who, I mean, at many times during this process was projected as the number one overall pick. He now has him all the way down at nine to the Seahawks. And then Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, going to the Jets at 10. Quickly, Nuno is a fan of the Giants. How would, if, if that's the way it goes and your team gets Equanu and Kyle Hamilton, how would you feel? I'm concerned about the uh, Hamilton one because, you know, the his 40 time has been, I think, l- slower than everyone else. I'm really hoping that Thibodeau does fall. So, like, if I can walk out of there with a offensive lineman, a right tackle, and th- someone like Thibodeau uh, or Garrett, uh, you know, like, call it a day, uh, I'll be drunk just off of that. <laughs> if, if McShay is right and Carolina is going to take a quarterback, that feels important to me. Because the Giants obviously aren't going to. And the Giants pick at five and seven, and that's the only pick sandwiched in between. So you really get to a point where when you're at four, where on some level, if you're the Giants, do you feel confident you have the next two picks? Like, I'll be fascinated to see which one they're more afraid of losing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, which one they take at five and which one they take at seven, I think is, will be an indicator of what they perceive the rest of the league to think of some of these players. Maybe so, but let's say the Panthers do want Kenny Pickett. Don't you think that number six pick then becomes an obvious place for some team to trade up a few spots, maybe to jump the Giants at seven? Because there's no way any other team in the top ten is drafting Kenny Pickett, right? That, that seems very unlikely to me based upon... Everything that I'm reading. I mean, except Seattle. It is the only one. Like, they don't have a, a starting quarter. And where's Baker Mayfield going to go? Like, what, that, that's really the question. Where's Baker Mayfield going to wind up in all of this? We actually had it speculated on a show by a credible person that the entire league is freezing out the Browns' ownership right now because they're so mad at them for, the way, for what they did with Deshaun Watson, with the contract they gave him and everything else that they are going to make the Browns wallow in this and ultimately have to release him and get nothing for him. Because Baker Mayfield, just absent everything else, is better than any of the quarterbacks in these draft in this draft. If, if money wasn't a consideration, if history wasn't a consideration, and all the rest of that, and you just lined all these people up, there's no question Baker Mayfield would be the first player off the board. He was the first player off the board in his draft. 
And while he's not been great, he hasn't been nearly as bad as people. You know, there's a bullseye on him. So he's going to be the answer for one of these teams. I just don't know which one. I think you can't, you can't not do the context, though, with Baker, because if you're going to trade for him, presumably you're giving up something and paying him $19 million. No, that's Who's what, doing not, that? That's why they're not going to trade him. That, that they're going to, if they know the Browns have no choice but to release him if they don't get a deal done. Mm-hmm. So they're going to wait. They're going to make him do that, and then we'll see where it goes. He'll go to Seattle or Carolina. Uh, right? Well, let's see what Carolina does in the draft. There are other places I could see him going. Where? Um, now who's Atlanta's quarterback? Marcus Mariota. <laughs> did I just answer my own question? You did. So let's see what winds up happening. All right, one more piece of business before we go. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. There's nothing that I have come to enjoy more on this show, boys and girls, than, than when I offer matrimonial advice to my friend Hembo. He's, he's young and newly married. He's only been married two years and you know, so frequently has questions. So Hembo and, excuse me, Nuno and, um, and Bubba, I want you to hear the conundrum that our friend Hembo got himself into in this case here. Go ahead, Hembo, and tell them what you told me in the office this morning. Yeah, so I have a, what I would describe as a good friend. Good friend. From back home. Yes, uh, you would I, describe him as a good friend. Yeah, we'll call him, we'll call him John Doe, okay? For the, for, it's, for the not, it's not evident discussion. to me that he describes you similarly. That's where I'm going. So he and his um, wife got married during COVID in 2020, I think it was, and um, did like a courthouse wedding or something just with family, just because that was what was allowed. But... What a lot of people are doing now that got married then is sort of throwing a big party with all the people that they would have invited to their wedding. Big party with all the people they would have invited to their wedding. They're doing this next month, but I only know that because I found out through the grapevine because I was not invited. Not invited, but other people have reached out to you saying... Oh, what, when are you going? What, how are you traveling? How are you getting there? And you have to sit there like an idiot and say, actually, I'm not invited. Right. Like, I'm not upset that I was not invited. Yes, but you I, are. No, you no, are no, 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 no. Yeah, you are. I am embarrassed because I've now had to tell three mutual friends okay. so what that did you I'm do? not coming. What did you do? So I took the high road, Greeny. I did an objectively good thing. I Googled his uh, John Doe registry, right? Found it on Amazon and Crate and Barrel, whatever that is. And I bought him a small gift. I took the high road. I did an objective good. You sent a wedding gift off of the registry. Yes. Did, no, no, you did that on purpose. To a wedding I was not invited. Why That's you, why, why you did you that. Why would you do that? Well, because I'm, this is my friend. This no, is it's not. Good no, it's friend. not. You weren't no, invited to the wedding. Stop. I don't know yeah, why, exactly. why would you send good a friend. gift? It is the ultimate passive-aggressive move on your part to say, hey, just so you know, yeah, I'm very aware I'm not invited oh, to this. Oh, stop it. Yeah, yes, that's, that's ridiculous. Exactly. That is an absurd okay, move. So when you my, weren't invited to the wedding. You don't send a gift. So who saw through this? Uh, I, listen, as a guy who worked with someone very closely in a control room for months and didn't get invited to his wedding... Mm. Um, Hembo, yeah, you that did this. Awkward. Yeah, that was extremely awkward. Who, whose wedding so, was that? Steve, our old friend Steve Cerruti. Cerutes. Uh, you know, so Cerruti got married and didn't invite you to the wedding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we were working together we were all for working months. Together yeah, and, uh, and he didn't invite me to his wedding. How many people were invited to that wedding? Uh, a lot. Yes, there was a lot of guys from the ESPN. <laughs> but, but basically what happened was is the invita- they, we all started working together right when they kind of got married. And then the invites went out. And then by the time the wedding came... We were all super close, but Saruti, to his defense, didn't really know Nuno that well. But it was by the time the wedding came around, it was incredibly awkward. So when you say super close, 
there are obviously levels to that. But anyway. But yeah, so like. But another was, person, incredibly but guys, let me, let me get. We haven't even gotten to the best part of this. <sighs> because there was one person. And you, you two are not the only ones who saw right through this. Who else did, Hembo? My wife. My wife, Liz, was mortified to learn that I bought John Doe an $18 grill brush because, for two reasons. One, she said, A, that's petty, which... Eh. Which it is. And B, she was thinking about the bride who's going to collect that grill brush on her front step today off of her Amazon wish list and ask, did we invite this guy? <laughs> and then, if not, <laughs> do we have to reach out to him to remind him he's not coming to our wedding? That's correct. And that, that to me, is the best part of this. Lizzie saw exactly what uh. this was, that this was your way of making sure not only that they would be aware that you are hurt that you're not invited, but that they would actually be concerned that you may think you are invited and thus have to reach out and say to your face that you're not welcome <laughs> at this wedding. But can I ask one other thing? Bubba. Yeah. An $18 grill brush? <laughs> <laughs> Is, I mean, is that the worst wedding gift in the history of civilization? We we have been a, 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 we have been a species for a very long time. I don't know exactly when we began the custom of marriage, but in that time, no one has ever given a worse gift than an eighteen dollar grill brush for a wedding. That's pretty. I mean, you would have been better off just taking today's uh, green light and then just autographing it and just sending that to him. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I can't believe you. You weren't invited. Why would you send a gift? That is, as your wife said, an incredibly petty thing to do. I want him. And just to, to try and say you weren't upset by it is just ludicrous. Greeny, he's going to think about me every single time. He scrubs that grill, but who cares? Like, he, he, <laughs> well, you do, obviously. He has, he has the grill brush now. Oh, he threw it out he immediately. Doesn't, sure. He didn't have it before. It's a nice thing to do. Who cares what my motives were? We will see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.